So good to be with you. Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year. How many of you know God is good? And all the time? I also want to welcome all of you that are joining us online. Happy New Year to you as well. All of our uh, Wilkin people, Cold Spring, all of our campuses, New York City, uh, Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for being here. And we're super excited for what the Lord has in store. Can we just pray for those that may be watching us? I just have a feeling in my spirit that some people may be watching us from home. Some people may be watching us from a hospital bed. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would touch every single person as they're watching. Lord, we know that you were wounded, Lord, so that we could be healed, God. You were bruised. You were chastised. Everything that you went through was so that we could experience your freedom. You said that if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, how shall he not also with that same spirit give life to our mortal bodies? So we thank you in advance for what you've done, and we receive your healing for anyone that's watching us, for anyone that's in the hospital, for anyone that's represented here in this room, God, maybe they have a family member that is shut in right now. God, we pray that you would cause their breathing to increase, God. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would cause that cancer to dry up. Lord, that that back pain would be removed, that those eyes would be opened, that those ears would be unclogged. In the name of Jesus, we give you glory and we give you praise. Amen. Receive it in the name of Jesus. We're so glad to be in the house of the Lord. It is 2022 and Jesus is still moving. He's still operating beneath the surface. He is still on the throne and his plan is still intact. Despite the enemy's plan, God's plan will prevail because he is the author and finisher of our faith. But so, so, so glad to be here. Thank you guys for coming and uh, coming to the house of God. And for those of you watching online, can I just say that we appreciate you so much making a commitment to come to the house of the Lord every single weekend and also to join us online as well. We love to see you in person as Pastor Frank sent out in an email. It's spacious, sanitized, and spirit-filled. So we would love to see you here at some point uh, so that we can be in your presence. Well, Let's get into this. Y'all ready for the word? Amen. Amen. First of all, I just want to honor our lead pastors, pastors Frank and Lisa Santori. Can we give it up for our pastors? They had some much needed rest. And I'm sure that they're going to come back supercharged and ready to go. He has a powerful series that's planned next weekend, so you don't want to miss. Also, I think I forgot to introduce myself. Uh, Judy and I, my uh, wife, my name is Brandon. My wife, Judy, and I, we serve as the campus pastors at our Wilkett campus, and we are so honored to do it. It's always a pleasure to come back to New Milford and minister, and I believe the Lord has a word that he wants to deposit in your hearts as we dive into this. Amen. You guys ready? Well, go on and grab your Bible. If you're in need of a paper Bible, if you would like one, just raise your hand and our amazing ushers will get that to you. Hope you guys had a great Christmas as well. And I'm sure we had a lot to eat, a lot of cookies, a lot of cakes. Uh, man, my wife, man, she knows how to throw down on some cakes. We have a tradition every year where we bake a cake or we, I don't, you know, it's not even me. It's my wife that puts together a cake and we sing happy birthday to him, even though his birthday was not on Christmas. All right. We like, we don't know when his actual birthday was for sure, but we celebrate it every year anyway. And we're thankful for it. Amen. Well, let's go on and make our Bible confession. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day 
and become all that God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all that God has destined me to be. Amen. Amen. All is well. The Cowboys are going to win tomorrow. We're going to the Super Bowl. All is well. Yes, all is well. Well, I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter one, and I'm going to look at two separate verses. First, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter one, verses one through four, and then I'm going to finish up in Hebrews chapter 2, and we're just going to read that whole chapter. It's 18 verses. Can you guys hang with me for 18 verses? Even those watching and walking, come on, somebody. I know you guys are ready, got coffee and goodies inside of you, so you're ready to go. Um, let's go on to Hebrews chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you want to follow along with me, the New King James is my favorite, but occasionally I like to use the New Living Translation, especially the way that it communicates God's word. And you're going to be blessed by what we read tonight if you haven't read it before. Are you guys ready? The Bible says in verse 1, long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, somebody say now. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. I know we just celebrated Christmas, baby Jesus, but make no mistake about it. Jesus existed before he came in human form. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had, somebody say had, past tense, this is something that has already been accomplished. Many times our prayer is receiving something that God has already accomplished on the cross. It's not something we have to beg for. It's not something that we have to believe to happen in the future. It's something that has already been done. We just have to receive it. So he says, when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down. I know you guys are waiting to be seated. Just a second. He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the son, Jesus, is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. And make no mistake about it, that also includes Lucifer. Even though he was an exalted angel who became the devil, Jesus is greater than him as well. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says, and this is the crux of what I feel led to share with you today. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard so we may or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself 
and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak, namely the disciples, the apostles. And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. And furthermore, it is not angels who will control the world we are talking about. For in one place, the scriptures say, we are what are mere mortals that you should think about them or a son of man that you should care for him. Yet for a little while, somebody say a little while, you made them, them, a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. Somebody say that includes me. Now, when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. Oh, that's some good stuff. That's why it says, taste and see that the Lord is good because he tasted death for us. He overcame it. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now, Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying, I love this, could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. And only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. There is no fear in death anymore. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. So he himself has gone through suffering and testing. He is able to help us when we are being tested. Man, that text will stand on its own legs. Guys, I want to minister from a subject that the Lord has really burdened me with today. And it is drifting from the truth. Drifting from the truth. There were a lot of false teachings that I heard in 2021. And I sense in my spirit that there are going to be a lot of things that will be talked about on social media and in popular news stations. Also, Wherever you get information, people are going to begin to bring up some strange and contrary doctrines to the Bible, and you have to be wise. 
You also have to be studied, a student of God's word to be able to discern the times that we're living in. I came to tell you today to beware not to drift away from the truth. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. The flower fades, the grass withers, but your word shall stand forever. Lord, I pray that you would use me as your servant. I thank you for everyone that is here in attendance, not just in person, but anyone watching online and anyone that would watch this later on. I pray that you would open up their heart to receive and that they would have spiritual eyes to see what you were doing in the earth and also understand the plan and purpose of the enemy. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much for standing. As we dive into this text, it's important that we have some context behind the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is one of my favorite books in the Bible because one of its central goals is to teach the superiority of Jesus. The fact that Jesus is superior to angels the fact that Jesus came to fulfill the law and not destroy the law. The fact that Jesus was superior to all of these Old Testament patriarchs. All of them were looking forward to the promised Messiah that would come. But the writer of Hebrews had the goal in mind to try to illustrate to his listeners, to his readers, that Jesus is superior. No one can come unto the Father except through him. Many theologians have speculated over who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some have thought that maybe it was Paul. Some have suggested Priscilla, Aquila, uh, Apollo. Even some have thought maybe even Barnabas. But the truth of the matter is no one really knows exactly who wrote this book. And because we don't have a specific understanding on who wrote this book, it's quite challenging to surmise or to take away from this book what was the writer's intent. What is it that they were trying to get across? We have a little bit of a clue as we look in chapter 13 that the, the purpose of the writer was to bring forth an exhortation, to bring forth a word of, 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 of comfort and challenge to his listeners because they were on the verge of walking away from their Christian faith. And it doesn't seem that absurd because keep in mind, before Christianity existed, there was Judaism. And Jesus was a Jew. His first converts were Jews. And a lot of what they experienced growing up entailed a lot of Jewish rituals and customs and the law and the covenants. And then you have Jesus who steps on the scene and tells us that a man is not justified by keeping the law, but a man is justified by placing his faith and his trust in Jesus. This was very difficult for them to embrace. And coupled with that, persecutions. Coupled with that, all the murmuring and the things that were being said about them and the um, exclusion of the Jews from these people, it made it difficult to embrace Christianity in its fullness. And they were on the verge of walking away. Now, we could be tempted to just write this whole book off and say those were Jewish people and I'm not a Jew. But one thing that they were plagued with was walking away from the faith of Christianity to go back to Judaism. But a lot of us in our vernacular, in our times, want to go back to legalism instead of embracing God's grace. And one of the challenges that we have in going back to legalism is it seems like it's easier to keep a book of rules than it is to follow the Holy Spirit. 
And the, and the truth of the matter is, as God has given us his DNA, his very nature to live on the inside of us so that we can have God with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Instead of committing the act, God can stop you before you even get past the thought. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says it was said of old many times. He spoke about adultery. He spoke about murder in the heart. He spoke about some of the religious practices that were done. But one thing that he kept communicating to the disciples and to us is to embrace the life of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one of the forgotten gods in the Trinity or the triunity of God. One of the things that we fail to realize is that he lives on the inside of us. What we watch, he watches. What we listen to, he listens to. What we engage in, he is around that as well. Now, don't get me wrong. We came out of legalism into a relationship with Christ. There are some things that are black and white in the scriptures. But there are other things where there are gray areas where we have to use the Holy Spirit to help us navigate through the various decisions that we have to make on a daily basis. To give you an example, taking the vaccine. That is a Holy Spirit-led decision that an individual has to make. It is their decision. It is their right. Whether they go this way or they go that way, that's a decision that they have to make. There are other topics that come up when it comes to drinking alcohol. Also, when it comes to smoking weed, which is very popular in our day, it's natural. It's being used for medical reasons. But has God told you to do that? Because there may be certain things that are legalized on earth, but they're not authorized in heaven. And even though it may seem for a period of time like you're getting away with something because there's delayed consequences, God is taking notice of what is being done on the earth. And he will bless those who follow him. And he will provide and take care of them. But these people were on the verge of drifting from the truth. And one of the ways in which this writer wanted to paint a picture for them to help them stay grounded was to keep the focus on Jesus. See, when we stop focusing on Jesus, when we start entertaining doctrines and teachings that are not centered around the Lord, we start to go down a slippery slope. Because God will never contradict himself. I do believe that God still speaks to us. But him speaking to us and what he says to us will never contradict the word of God. These will always be in unison with the word of God. You know what? There's a lot of prophecies that come forth around this time. There's a lot of words that are spoken over various people. But may I challenge you with this and even those watching You have to be very careful what's being spoken over your life. You don't have to receive everything. And quite frankly, what is spoken over your life, it ought to be something that God is already dealing with you about on the inside. It shouldn't be something that's foreign to you, but it should be something that's in line with what God is already doing in your heart. Are you guys with me? The Lord is speaking. What is the, what, what did Jesus say? Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that what proceeds out of the mouth of God. God still speaks to us. Sometimes he can speak to us through his word. Sometimes he can speak to us through a minister or through a messenger. Sometimes he can speak to us in the quietness of our spirit. Sometimes some may have the unique and amazing privilege to hear him speak to them audibly. Can I be honest with you? That has never happened to me in my whole life. 
God has always spoken to me in the quietness of my spirit and through his word and through his word. And I'm content with that because that's something I can run with. But everyone has their calling and everyone has been given a measure of faith that they're called to walk in. And that faith can grow and develop into more. The first point that the writer of Hebrews drives home from the opening chapter, really the first 10 chapters are all about the superiority of Jesus. But the point that he drives home is this. It's in order for us to avoid drifting from the truth. We have to have an understanding that Jesus' inheritance is universal dominion. Jesus' inheritance is universal dominion. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're looking at a world where it doesn't look like universal dominion is the Lord's. But may I tell you this, that there is coming a day where God will make every right wrong. Where God will also take vengeance on his enemies. Where God will not be like how he is now in this new dispensation of grace, this age of grace. There will come a time where that door will shut and there will be a new swing in how things operate. Are you guys with me? One of the next events that's going to happen on God's calendar is what's called the rapture. Some of you, this may be a foreign word to you because it's not mentioned specifically the word rapture in the Bible, but the concept is there. The word rapture is a Latin word and it means to be caught up. And it comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 4 where the apostle Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica and he was writing to them because they were experiencing a lot of persecution. Not only that, but a lot of their family members had passed away. And there was uncertainty as to what would happen to these family members when they died in the Lord. And he told them, I don't want you to be uh, uh, have sorrow as others who have no hope. If you believe that Jesus died and he rose again, you better believe that Jesus is going to bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Did you know that when you die as a born again believer, make no mistake about it, that you are in heaven with the Lord. The Bible says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. So if you were to die, your spirit and your soul would go to heaven, though your body would remain in the grave. That's some good news. But the powerful part about this is in the rapture, God says that a trump, a trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first. Who is the dead in Christ? The dead in Christ are those who have died in the Lord and they are coming to retrieve their bodies, but then God is going to make their bodies to be incorruptible, immortal, and it's going to happen just like that. Well, Pastor Brandon, what about those who have been cremated? I don't think that's too hard for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord, but he is going to bring their bodies to be back with their spirit. And those bodies are going to be transformed to be like the Lord's, just like that. But the Bible says that we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we will always be with the Lord. Now, this is why we have to be careful not to drift away from the truth. The rapture is a signless event. Let that soak in for just a second. The rapture is a signless event. There is no signs that precede the rapture. It is going to happen just like that. It can happen any moment. Even though the rapture is a signless event, 
Some of the signs that we can pick up on are the signs of Jesus' second coming to this earth. And if we know that those signs are starting to show themselves, then we know that the rapture may, is, is probably going to be even sooner, and it's something that we should be ready for. You know what? I had a friend of mine that texted me something, uh, and it was a... Um, Abrahamic house that's set to be completed in 2022 in Abu Dubai. And this is based on a document uh, called the Human um, Fraternity for World Peace and Living Together put forth by the Pope. Did you know that within this document, what came out of this is that there is a plan to build three houses of worship, one for Muslims one for Jews and one for Catholics, all in the same place. And it is set to be completed in 2022. The whole goal is to bring about a world religion. Can I tell you, like, that's reason for not concern as Christians, but that's reason for us to get excited because I know that Jesus is going to be coming back very, very soon based on this news. Now, I'm not one that likes to speculate and to get into all this because, quite frankly, as Christians, we're called to always be ready. And we're always called to be waiting on Jesus' return. But no matter what happens in the earth now, universal dominion is going to be the inheritance that Jesus will one day receive. This is why we should not get tripped up by any sort of uh, virus or any sort of uh, variant or anything else that may come up in this life. Because what we endure now pales in comparison to what we will receive when Jesus comes into his kingdom. And the truth of the matter is we are going to escape a lot of the tribulation to come after, after the rapture takes place because we will be with Jesus in heaven. You know that after the rapture takes place, the Bible says that there will be a man of sin that is revealed, the Antichrist. The Bible says that the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. It's already in existence. But he's going to house a body and he's going to take his place after the church is raptured out of here. Why is that? Because you may not realize this, but the power that you have on the inside is restraining darkness from having full reign on this earth. But sometimes we lose sight of the fact that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Just my, by me being here and operating in a realm of faith, I'm keeping back the devil from wreaking havoc on this earth. And even though Christians don't receive the appreciation that they are due, a lot of people don't realize if it weren't for Christians, there would be a worse pandemic, a worse everything that we would go through here on this earth. But we're keeping back darkness. But watch this. When that rapture takes place and the Christians are gone, this is going to be the opportunity that the Antichrist was waiting for. And then is what is going to happen, which is called the abomination of desolation, where he's going to go into the temple, the temple, and claim that he is God. And, and, and there's going to be a world religion that would have been formed in a peace that was brought about, but it would be a false peace. But in the middle of that peace, it'll be interrupted by calamity and tribulation that the world has never known. But guess what? As a born-again believer, we believe that you will not go through that because you will be in heaven with the Lord. But after that seven-year tribulation, there will be a great battle. And most of you guys know who wins that battle, Jesus. 
And then there will be a thousand year reign where we will reign with Christ here on this earth while the devil is cast into the bottomless pit. Did you not know that you will reign with Christ and you will judge the earth at that time? Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In that church, they were having some issues with some conflicts that was going on within that church. And he told them, he said, you guys can't handle these trivial matters. Like you go to court against another and people go to court. I heard like Steve Harvey, um, Steve Harvey is going to start like a court show, man. What in the world is going on? But man, you go to court against others, Christians, you go to secular courts to plead or to decide your case. You guys can't handle these matters on your own. He goes on to say, do you not know that you will judge the earth? So if we have that power at our disposal, can we not get along in the house of God? Yes, we're going to have some conflicts. Yes, there's going to be some misunderstandings, but this is nothing that's foreign to the Bible. There were conflicts even in the Bible days, but there was a formula on how to handle it. And Jesus said in Matthew 18, 15, if someone sins against you or if they offend you, what are you supposed to do? Go tell them your fault. Go tell them their fault and ask for forgiveness. So they won't hear then you take with you two. If they still won't hear you, then you take with you three. There's a formula. There's a way that we can handle some of these conflicts. One of my chief reasons for ministering this word is to help us get a perspective of a higher perspective of who we are in God so that we don't put up with the nonsense that's going on here on this planet. It's time for us to rise up and see ourselves as being seated with Christ in heavenly places. Jesus himself told us, he said, if I take care of the lilies, if I take care of the birds who neither sow nor reap, what are you concerned about layoffs for? What are you concerned about the stock markets going up? It's going down. Why are you concerned about what's going on in this earth? I'm, I'm not telling you to negate what's happening, but look towards the Lord. Look towards Jesus. He already wanted for us. He already accomplished it. Jesus will rule and reign, friends. And that rule and reign is something we can walk in right now. Did you hear me? The Bible says to call those things that be not as what? As though they were. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible says in John chapter 17, verse 3, the Bible says Jesus uh, um Eternal life is something that we possess in Christ. It's not something that we have to wait for, but it's something that we have in him. It's something that we can walk in. It's our identity. It's our purpose. He's going to bring forth dominion. The second point that I want to make is this. Jesus became flesh and blood. This is one of my favorites in this book. Because these people that the writer was giving a lot of attention to, he was trying to help them to understand that Jesus was superior to even Moses and the law. Friends, you have to understand that when God set this up in the Old Testament, he set up a way for people's sins to be temporarily atoned for, and it was through animal sacrifices. And he set up what was called a priesthood. And this priesthood was established by Moses' brother, which was Aaron. And the Bible says that these priests, that they would stand all the time, daily, interceding for the people on their behalf so that their sins could be covered. Not taken away, but that their sins could be covered. 
But what they failed to realize when Jesus stepped on the scene, rather than offering these sacrifices continually every year, Jesus, through the eternal spirit, offered himself as a sacrifice one time, and it was a payment for all eternity. Do you hear me? And his sacrifice is permanent. And one thing that the writer begins to expound upon is that this Levitical priesthood, it ceased to exist when we came out of the old covenant into the new covenant, but there is a new priesthood that was established. And I, and I say new carefully because this priesthood was always in existence, but it was new to us. It just arrived. It came on the scene. And this priesthood was after the order of a man by the name of Melchizedek. And this Melchizedek came after the line of Judah, of which God spoke nothing concerning priesthood. But what's powerful about this priesthood is it it, it is a priesthood on better promises. And because Jesus became a man and he became human and he lived a perfect life, he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one. He knows what it's like to go through uncertainty and challenges and have to rely on God to provide your every need. Do you remember when Jesus told Peter to go into the water and the first fish that he brought up, there would be a coin on the inside to pay taxes. Jesus had nowhere to lay his head, but he knew that he was provided for. He knows what you go through. He knows what you face. And what I love about this scripture, and this was actually one of the foundational scriptures that I first memorized during this pandemic, because one of the tactics of the enemy is to keep us in fear and the fear of dying. But understand me, we've already crossed over from death to life. Death no longer has a hold on us. Death is just going from one place to the another. And I know that he will never leave me nor forsake me. So even in the process of going from here to there, I know that he's with me. So if God be for me, who in the world can be against me or what can be against me? He's going to accomplish great things. Are you guys with me? He became flesh and blood. He can sympathize with all of our weaknesses. How many of you have ever read the book of Job? It's a pretty difficult book to read. The things that this man went through. I would venture to say in this room, maybe not all of us or maybe a few actually went through what Job went through. But there's something interesting that always ministers to me with Job. In Job chapter 9, he utters something out of his mouth that we have to pay particular attention to. He says, if only I had a mediator, Ralph. If only I had somebody that could plead my case before God, kind of a go-between. If only I had somebody like that. Did you know in the New Testament, Paul, speaking to Timothy, he said there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He is our mediator. He can, And he sympathizes with our weaknesses. He also prays for us. So every time I hear about a variant or I hear about the various things that are going on in the news, and I and I get it, we have to be careful and mindful of how much negativity we allow into our lives, but we also have to stay informed. But even in staying informed, you have to couple that with the word of God, lest you crawl up into fear. You have to couple it with the word of God and understand, God, I know that my eternal inheritance is dominion and you will walk in this. 
So no matter what I face, this is why when I read the word of God, it gives me life. It gives me strength. Even Paul says, for I consider that the present sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. He says, even in our weakness, Romans chapter 8, we don't know what to pray for as we ought to pray. But the Spirit makes groanings that cannot be uttered. And God always knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So even when I don't know what to say out of my mouth in that moment of fear or in that moment of uncertainty, I feel my help coming because the Holy Spirit is interceding on my behalf. And you're not just talking to somebody who's just read something cute in a book or I learned this from. Man, these are things that I've had to walk in myself. These are scriptures that I've had to go back to and meditate on and realize that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made by God. That he knows my lying down and he knows my getting up. He's well acquainted with all of my griefs, all of my struggles. He knows the hairs that are on my head. He knows my lying down and my getting up. He knows everything about me. And when I start reading those scriptures, my help comes, my hope comes, and I realize what can this world offer that could take me away from him? He's good. But we all get weak sometimes. We all make mistakes. We all can sometimes drift a little bit. But this is where in 2022, and know that God is outside of time. Even though we celebrated the passing of one year, God is outside of time. A day is like a thousand years unto the Lord and a thousand years like a day. He is outside of time. So even though you or us, we look from one year to the next, God is still faithful. I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So no matter what time zone you're living in, my grace is still available. No matter what time zone you live in, my help is always on the way and I'm always working beneath the surface because I'm good. Jesus is seated until all is complete. Point number three. Jesus is seated until all is complete. There's one time that Jesus stood up and it was in the New Testament in the book of Acts after he rose And you guys might remember, there was a man by the name of Stephen, and he was being martyred for believing in Jesus, for professing Jesus. And the Bible says that he was able to look up before he was being stoned to death, and he saw Jesus standing up. And you know what? This is something that I don't even quite understand, even at this stage of my walk with God. And I meditate on this all the time. I believe one sight one look at the Savior. The pain that he was about to go through, I feel like the sight of Jesus overrided all of that. Have you ever been in a place where all hell is breaking loose? There's pain in your body. There's, there's, there's trials on like every side. But yet you just feel this stability. You feel like, I don't even know how I'm able to do this, but I used to turn to the bottle or I used to, you know, look to people or I used to go to ice cream or I used to do this. And some of these things may not necessarily be bad in and of themselves, but because God is a jealous God and he doesn't want other things to take his place, they can become bad. But have you ever been in a place where, you know what, things are different? I don't operate the same way that I used to be. I used to get worried and bent out of shape and my attitude was bad in the house and I just brought the atmosphere to be a different atmosphere. But it's different now because I know who I am. 
I know in whom I trusted. And I'm not just giving lip service unto God, but I'm actually trying to live this thing. And I don't know about you guys, I'm trying to live this thing. Even though I'm a pastor, man, I'm still a man. And there are things that I still have to overcome just like you on a daily basis. There are thoughts that I have. There are temptations that I have. There are things that come across my eyes. Don't, don't, don't think because I'm up here and you're down there that I'm better than you. I have to walk this thing out too. And I have to look to God to be my source. And I'm preaching passionately because God doesn't want anyone to be lost. He's wanting all to come to repentance. He's wanting all to be saved. But in this year, in this time, now is the time to press into God. And this is what was so difficult for these people that the writer of Hebrews was writing to as they were wanting to revert back to what was familiar. They wanted to go back to their traditions. They wanted to go through the motions of what they had experienced in the past. But God is doing a new thing. And God wants to do a new thing in us. He wants to take us to a new level in our faith. You have not scratched the surface in your relationship with God. God has to remind me of this every day. Brandon, there are things that I have not even revealed to you yet. Don't you dare think that you have it all figured out and that you've gotten to a place where you can settle down and not pursue me like you used to. I want you to be even hungrier for me now than you were then. And that's a word for all of us. But there will come a day he's seated dominion will be his inheritance but in the meantime he's interceding for us he's challenging us he's moving with us and so saints of God can I just encourage you with this don't give up don't give up in the midst of the trial for those of you that are watching online maybe your body feels like I I, I don't even want to say it it just feels horrible But can I remind you of a promise? Even though your outward man is perishing, your inward man is being renewed day by day. For we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. God has a plan. And he's going to finish what he started. Will you stand with me here in this place? Campus pastors, you guys can go on and close your service as you see fit there. But for everyone watching us online, and for those of you here in this room, this is where the rubber meets the road. Do you have a proper perspective of Jesus? I'm telling you guys, around the corner, you are going to be hit with teachings that are going to rub you the wrong way. And you have to be equipped and ready to answer those questions that people have because people are looking for a Savior. One of the things that I love at the opening of this chapter, he says, in many ways and in various times, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. But now in this time, he has chosen to speak to us through his son. Jesus is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. If somebody is wanting to provide a way of truth for you or they're trying to create a path to God, but it doesn't include Jesus, it will always fail because Jesus is the only way to God. And I'm sorry, we live in an age where tolerance, truth is relative. Truth is relative. That's my truth. This is your truth. But if there's not an absolute truth, we have a problem. 
if we can't even get right what's morally right and what's morally wrong, we're going off the deep end. I would venture to say as I stand here and ask you, there's not a person here in this room that doesn't believe, and I'm going to be kind of graphic here, that let's say a 60-year-old man would be with a four-year-old little girl. There's not a person in here who would say to themselves, man, that's disgusting. But what if somebody came and said, but that's my truth. I believe that that's right. But watch this. We know that it's wrong. And how do we know it's wrong? Because we have a moral compass. And guess where that moral compass from? It comes from God. But if you remove God and then you remove the the, uh, moral compass, then everything is based on this person's truth. If I feel that it's okay, then it's okay. You may feel that that's wrong, but I don't feel that that's wrong. Do you see where this starts to head into? This is why you have to keep God in the picture. And this is why we have moral standards. Can I be honest with you? Some of these moral standards, some of them I don't quite all the way understand. And some of them I just have to trust and I have to obey and realize that God knows better than me and he's wiser than me and he set up things a certain way for a certain reason. I'm not asking you to have blind faith. But what I am asking you to do is look at the evidence. If Jesus is not the way to God, who else is? Is it Muhammad? If it's Muhammad, man, there's not very much hope in that because God's going to weigh out your good works with your bad works. And wherever you stand on the side of the scale will determine whether or not you go to heaven. There's no security in that. And I'm sorry. You can reach a state of intellectualism where you literally try to get outside of yourself. But the fact still remains, even on your best day, we all fall short. We all sin, including me. I know this. (laughs) But here's the good news. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died in our place so that we could experience eternal life. Today is the day of salvation. If there's anyone in this room or watching online, you would say, Pastor Brent, I've never given my heart to Jesus and I want to make a decision to give my life to him now. I want to surrender to him. Is there anyone here in this room? Raise your hand. You want to make a decision to follow Jesus? Anyone here in this room? For the benefit of those who may be watching online who want to give their life to the Lord, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and become my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me, Lord. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again with all power in your hands. I'm making a decision today to receive you into my life. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give it up for those who may have given their life to the Lord. Yes.